First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If you have your Bibles this morning, and I will not finish that line because I don't want to take it from Pastor Scott, but if you have your Bibles this morning, Luke chapter 2, and we'll be reading verses 40 down through verse number 52 in Luke chapter 2. The Bible says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and men. Let's pray this morning. Father, what a great joy it is to be gathered together again with brothers and sisters in Christ Uh, This last service uh, of 2020 that we'll gather as a church family, Uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that this morning you'd help us as we finish up Christmas and as we look to the new year, 2021, and uh, many, I'm sure, in here have already begun to make goals and plans and maybe even written out some things that they would love to accomplish in 2021. I pray as we kind of say goodbye to this Christmas season that we wouldn't say goodbye to the person that the Christmas season is all about. As we move into the new year, our focus would be on the Lord Jesus Christ, and that throughout the year we would be relying and depending upon Him for our strength, for our guidance, and for our vision. Be with the Word of God as it's preached this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, you just work in all of our hearts and lives. Help us to um, just follow what it is that you would have us do in our own hearts. In your name. Amen. Like many of you, my family every Christmas year gathers, gathers around and pulls out of the box uh, that nativity. And uh, for some of you who uh, are not spiritual, you did it before Thanksgiving. For the rest of you who are spiritual, after Thanksgiving was over, you began to decorate for Christmas. But my family would gather around and we grab that nativity and we begin to set the characters up along the back of usually what is our console piano. And uh, I remember when my kids were younger, I would come home from work and there would sit the manger and all the characters of Christmas would be gone. They'd be scattered all over the house as my, uh, one of my daughters would go and grab them and she would play with them. And I remember one particular time I came home and I looked there and there was baby Jesus and there was kind of what we've called the cast of Christmas surrounding the manger, but all of them were facing away from baby Jesus. They all had their backs to him. I remember calling my daughter aside and saying, sweetheart, I'm glad that you were able to assemble the cast of characters back here for Christmas. I said, but why are they all 
facing away from baby Jesus. And I'll never forget, she looked at me and said, well, Dad, the show's over. They're all going home. It's done. (laughs) And when we read our portion of Scripture here, Jesus is now 12 years of age. His parents have gone through the Passover time uh, that they would celebrate in Jerusalem. The show's over, if you will. His parents leave. Jesus is left behind. Uh, We've spent uh, the last several weeks throughout the month of December kind of looking at the cast of Christmas. We started in this very famous passage, Luke 2, which probably is the go-to passage every Christmas season. We studied the life of Joseph, Joseph, the life of Mary. We looked at the shepherds and the wise men and, and King Herod. And then Christmas Eve, we looked at the life of the star at our Christmas Eve service. And now, this morning, I want to look just a little bit about the star goes missing. If we move ahead into 2021 and we pack up those nativity boxes, we pack up all the Christmas decorations, the ornaments, we pack up uh, Christmas, if you will, and we put it back into the closet till next year, the last thing we want to do, the last thing we should do is pack up Jesus with the rest of it and say, well, I'll take you out next year when this time rolls around. As I look at the scripture this morning, there's three things that really stand out, observations that I made as I was reading through this portion of scripture, the first thing that I see is I see a very faithful family. Look again, if you would, back at verse number, well, start in verse number 39. It says, so when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, that is talking about Joseph and and Mary, and at verse number 39, Jesus has just been born. And so Joseph, uh, who is a a spirit-led father, Joseph wants to make sure that he's doing everything he can for his stepson, if you will, as his earthly father. He wants to make sure he can do, he's doing everything he can to follow after what God has called him to do. So at eight days, he has taken Jesus and gone through the circumcision process that all boys would go through at that time. At 40 days, he's gone back to the temple and he's gone through a purification process. Uh, At that same time, he would redeem the firstborn son in Israel for either a lamb or the poor people would use five shekels of silver. And he had gone through that process. So in verse number 39, when it says that they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, that's what it's talking about. We see a man who is a very spirit-led father, earthly father to Jesus. It says that years later, year after year, in verse 41, it says that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. In 42, it says they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. In 43, it says, when they had finished the days, this was a a family that didn't just go for the one day of Passover. The the reality is is that it was an eight-day long festival, and they would stay for the entire festival while while many people, they were were committed. They were committed to following the Lord and his will. Joseph was committed to being led by God as he fathered God's son. So much so that, that God would come to him and say, Joseph, you know, Jesus is in trouble, flee down to Egypt, and he would go spend time in Egypt, and after he spent time in Egypt, God would come to him again and say, okay, Herod is dead, and and, and in Matthew uh, chapter number 2, verses 19 through 23, it says, now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, he took the child and his mother, and he came into the land of Israel, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, 
And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. We lead the life of a man who had kind of laid aside all of his labor. He was traveling. God was saying, Joseph, go here, and Joseph, go here. And Joseph would pack up all of his carpenter tools, and he would go to the next town as God had commissioned him to raise the son, Jesus. He was committed. Three times a year, the Jewish males were called to Jerusalem to observe three different feasts. In Deuteronomy 16 and verse 16, they were commanded to do that. And when those feast times came around, Joseph would pack his family up and they would head off to Jerusalem. And that was very costly. A self-employed carpenter setting aside his business for that time to travel up. But he was a committed father. And every time we read of Joseph in Scripture, we see a man that is faithful to the purpose to which God has called him. Joseph was a model example to his stepson, Jesus. When Jesus says later on in these verses, I must be about my father's business, he is literally copying the example that Joseph has set for him year after year after year. Not only is he a spiritual father, but he's a very spiritual mother, of course, Mary. We looked at her a few weeks ago, but the Jewish males were required to go to these feasts. They weren't necessarily required for the women and children in this day, but yet when this time rolls around, we see that Mary desires, she desires to serve and to worship God as well. So she packs up the kids. Uh, we know in Matthew 13, there was four brothers of Jesus, and he had some sisters as well, and Jesus is 12, and so probably some of these have been born by now, so she packs up the kids, and she will make this journey as well with her husband, Joseph, and their children. And she knew the truth about Jesus. She knew who Jesus was, and in spite of of all the shame that they had brought to her name, which would really follow her through the rest of her life. When you read the adult years of Jesus, Mary is still being called by many of the religious leaders, somebody who had a child out of wedlock, and many times shaming her, trying to shame her. She knew the story of Jesus, and yet she had sat for year after year. Twelve years of age, Jesus is now. And she doesn't know how it's all going to work out, but she knows there's a God, there's a purpose, God is in charge and God's going to complete his sovereign will. And so she is very, very committed to Christ. And so she would go up with her family to the Passover time. But in spite, in spite of all of their desire to serve God, to pursue God, and to follow after God, the next thing that we see in these verses is we see the Messiah goes missing. They lost tabs on him, if you will. I remember many years ago, uh, my family, when this was still, we were still able to do this, we would... Uh, gather together with large groups of people and we would go to that amusement park over in Central Florida, Disney World. We would gather in that large group and sweating profusely and you're standing in lines to get on that monorail with everybody else and you're sitting there with everybody else and you're looking at your children and you're telling them how much fun they're going to have because of how much money you spent on this trip and dad in the back of his mind is going, what was I thinking? What am I doing here? And you watch all the other parents that are going through the same process. Why well, We've gone through that and we, you grab you know, your hands and shirts of your kids and hair and whatever you can grab onto as you hustling into the amusement park with, with your children. I remember we made our way in there and all of a sudden one of our children was missing. And moms, like they do, man, they just 
they just begin to talk. You don't really know what they're saying. They just begin to talk at 90 miles an hour. Where are they? Where they go? They're gone. They're missing. And mom has this instinct. Dad's still kind of wandering around, figure out why am I here and why am I spending all this money? And then finally, when you hear what they say, it's, they're not here, they're, they're missing, they're gone. And dad's first response is, who? Or, better yet, which one? We may be able to afford to leave. This, no, I'm just kidding. It's not. And that's Joseph and Mary, they're going through this process here. And yes, just to finish the story, we did find our children and they all are still with us. And we lived happily ever after. But Joseph and this story here in verse 43 of our text, it says, when they had finished the days, they returned, the boy Jesus, like every 12, 13-year-old boy, if there was ever a clue to Jesus' humanity, it's right here. He's in his adolescence, and it says he's lingering behind. He's caught up in all that's going on. He's distracted. He's not really paying attention. Mom and dad and the caravan are leaving town, and Jesus is just lingering there behind in Jerusalem. It says, and Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. The history behind that would have been this. The, the, the normal way of travel in those days is when Passover time came around, people from your city would gather together. You would always usually travel together in large groups. The women and children would be in one group, and they would typically lead the way, and the men would gather in a group behind them, and they would follow for safety, for camaraderie. If, uh, if somebody started lagging, the men were kind of back there to keep them going, but that was typically the way they traveled in those days. The men together discussing their business, the ladies over there kind of discussing whatever they discuss, and, and the children there going along as well, and they would head their way off to the Passover time. It was about an 80-mile trek from Nazareth down to Jerusalem and about a three- to four-day journey. They would have made that journey down there. They would have walked into Jerusalem. There would have been the, the busyness of the crowd. There would have been shepherds and Roman soldiers, and there would have been all kinds of other people on a pilgrimage making their way there, and the crowd would have been busy. They would have spent eight days there, and then they would have gathered together and head back in the same way. Jesus, now 12 years of age, he was moving into adulthood at 13, he would go through that, that process that we now, that they now call, among Jewish children, called the bar mitzvah. Jesus is right there on the cusp of that, not quite going through that yet, but he is considered pretty much a young adult, and he's been kind of starting to learn his fatherly trade and the fatherly business. And so the family would have gathered together there in Jerusalem, and they started to head back toward Nazareth. So Jesus is traveling, and it would have been probably Mary is there, and she's thinking, well, Jesus is 12, he's probably off with his dad. He's one of the young men traveling with the men now, and Joseph is there, and he's, you know, he's thinking, well, Jesus is probably off praying with his friends, or maybe with his mom, Mary, and so they leave town, and they spend a day traveling away from Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, that evening, Mary and Joseph come together with their family for evening time, and, and, and Mary and Joseph are tremendously spiritual people, but I can only imagine the conversation that took place when they realized Jesus was gone. He was your responsibility. It was your responsibility. You were supposed to leave. I don't know how it all went down. You know, but of all children to lose, we've got four boys. We've got some girls. Why do we have to lose the perfect one? I don't know if that's, if that's how it happened. But they, but he was missing. And now Mary and Joseph will make the decision to leave the caravan, the safety of the caravan, it says they'll take a, probably a day, they've traveled away from Jerusalem for a day, now they'll begin to journey back, probably a day's journey back, and after they get to Jerusalem, they'll spend a day searching for the Messiah. It said he was three days missing, three days 
away from his parents. You know, Christian, as I, I don't want to over-spiritualize this this morning, but you know, as I look at that passage, there's just a couple things to draw away from there, especially as we finish out the year and kind of close up Christmas. You know, there were some dangers that, that Mary and Joseph kind of fell into here. The first thing I want to say is, is this, beware, beware of the danger of assumption when it comes to your relationship and fellowship with Christ. Look what he says there in verse number 44. It says, but supposing him to have been in the company. Jesus wasn't there, but they, they just assumed that somebody had taken care of it. Some of his, and, and as Christians, as a church body, as individual Christians, we have to step back from time to time and say, okay, I need to be careful to make sure I'm not relying on somebody else for my fellowship and my relationship with Christ. Mary was relying on Joseph. Joseph was relying on Mary. And, and sometimes as spouses, if we're not careful, we can go down that same road. Oh, my, my, my wife has the spiritual side handled. My, my husband's kind of got the spiritual side handled. When reality, we're all called as Christians to have our own personal relationship with Christ. That's what God desires. But don't suppose that our spouse has our spiritual direction covered. Uh, we assume sometimes that our friend's spiritual life is good enough for both of us. Or sometimes we assume that our spiritual leaders are responsible for our relationship with Christ. When, when they couldn't find Jesus with each other, with their family, they begin to look at their acquaintances and say, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? And I, I don't want to, like I said, over-spiritualize this, but the reality is it's a good reminder to step back and say, okay, am I focused on my own personal relationship with God, or am I depending and assuming somebody else has it covered for me? It was the danger of assumption. The other danger that I see in this scripture here is the danger of the dependence on religious activity. Mary and Joseph had just gone through the process of spending eight days at a Passover feast. They were very, very religious-oriented people. They were following the customs, but in the midst of all the customs, as they sat there at Passover, watching a lamb being sacrificed, as they sat there at the place that symbolized their son, they left town without the person that the sacrifice was all about. And sometimes as Christians, if we're honest this morning, we can get so wrapped up in our religious activity that we fail to focus on our fellowship, our individual personal fellowship with Christ. And sometimes we get caught up in our activity for God that we neglect our fellowship with And as you move into the new year, as you look at the calendar, as you plan out what we're doing, as you plan out kind of the different activities that you want to take place, some of it may be centered around, much of it I hope centered around spiritual activity and and sometimes even religious activity, whether it be church services or Sunday school or all of those things which are all great and good and wonderful. But don't neglect personal time with God at the expense thinking that religious activity has it covered. So we see the Messiah went missing, and now we see that he's found. In verse 48, it says, So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. It's a typical mom statement, you know. They're, they're having a heart attack because they can't find you. And when they do find you, they're ready to kill you for giving them the heart attack. And that's Mary's response here. She said, Son, what, what, have you, what have you been doing to us? They finally find him, and now we come to what is the, really the, the crux of this entire passage. Really the crux of, of Luke chapter 2, the birth of Christ, all the things that he went through. We come to age number 12. 
And now we've looked over the past several weeks at the different characters of Christmas. We've seen Joseph and we've seen Mary and we've seen the angels and we've seen the shepherds and we've seen the wise men and we've heard Herod's part and and now the star of the show, if you will, takes center stage. The star of the show gives us his opening line. It's the line that will guide his life. It's the theme of his life throughout his entire earthly ministry. It's the first recorded words that we have of Jesus in Scripture. When in verse number 49 it says, And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? We finish it with a, the proclaimed purpose of Christ. Mary is there and Joseph is there and Jesus asks that key question. He looks at Mary and Joseph and he says, why were you seeking me? He thinks to himself, mom and dad, if anybody should know where I was, it should be you. I mean, mom, you know of the virgin birth. And, and Joseph, this is real and evident in your life. As, and, and you've gone through the past several years suffering all the different types of shame as people look down on you for what they don't believe is true. But, but mom and dad, why were you looking everywhere except for the place where you knew I should be? And he almost, not in a, not in a disrespectful way, but he almost inquiring asked them that question. Why don't you understand or believe? He says, don't you know that I must be about my, my father's business? When Jesus makes that statement, in the Jewish culture, the son denoted more than just a male offspring. A young underage child was considered a boy until he became an adult. And then he was a son in the fullest sense. It was then that he became equal to his father under the law and in terms of adult responsibility and received the privileges his father had reserved for him. Son, in this more technical sense, came to mean equal to or one with. When Jesus looks and he says, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? It's literally Christ in his first words of scripture, the first recorded words that we have, he is declaring himself to be the son of God. The first words that we see, he calls God his Father. And literally what he is saying is, is that I am equal with God the Father. And he is stating really his purpose here on earth. He says, Mom and Dad, you know that I'm at the age now where I've been called to follow after the Father's business. And Joseph, you know that as a carpenter, you've been my earthly father, but my heavenly Father has called me to follow his business for me. And what was the business? He says in John chapter 4, when the disciples bring him food, his whole life, his whole ministry is focused around doing the will of the Father. In John 4, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. When the disciples bring him food at that woman at the well, after Jesus has gotten done meet, meeting with her, he looks at them and says, my, my food, everything that I exist for is to do the will of my Father. John chapter 9, after he heals the blind man, he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And as he sits there with Mary and Joseph and he looks at them and says, I must be about my father's business. He says, I'm taking up the mantle as the son of God of following after what it is my God, called, what God called my father, my heavenly father called me to do. And my purpose here is number one, to bring glory to the father. 
He came to glorify the Father. In John chapter 17, just before he is arrested, nearly 20 years after this story, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may also glorify you. He says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And what was that work? The work of Christ, he says in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, a few chapters later, he says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. It's that famous scripture passage that most all of us here can quote this morning, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when Jesus is sitting in that little temple area, and he looks and all the teachers have gathered around. The Bible says they're astounded, they're astonished at his wisdom as he began to talk and, and, and not fully understanding yet. There's still some humanity that he is still growing and he's still learning. The Bible tells us in the latter verses of these passages as well as in verse number 39, he's still learning. His humanity is still growing. His wisdom is still growing. His, his knowledge and understanding is still growing. But as those teachers surround him there and he begins to ask questions as was the custom of that day and they're astounded by his knowledge and wisdom, he's looking and he says, he lets mom and dad find him and he says, mom and dad, didn't you know? I have to be about my father's business. And he would follow that same theme all the way through his life. All through his life, his goal was to do the will of his father all the way up until he would find himself praying in Luke chapter 24 and 22 and verse 42. He finds himself in the garden of Gethsemane. And as he's there praying, he says, father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And as he's sitting there in, his, in, the, in, the, in the temple area, as a 12-year-old boy, Mary hears him say, don't you know I must be about my father's business? And she tucks that away in her heart as she's been tucking away these thoughts and these memories and these truths for the past several years until many years later she would be standing at the foot of a cross and watching as her son was crucified to pay for the sins of the entire world. And she would think back to a little 12-year-old boy that was left in the temple that looked at her and said, Mom, don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Jared, I, I'm kind of looking ahead to 2021 and I've got the calendar out and I've begun to write my goals and my plans and maybe you just took the 2021 calendar and crossed off 2020 and put 2021 on it because nothing that was supposed to take place in 2020 happened. <laughs> I don't know, where. maybe you have your goals and your plans for, for 2021 and you've kind of looked out and you've set that vision and you've set that goal. Let me encourage you, as you move into the new year, take the words of Christ here and make them your theme and say, you know, I'm going to decide to be about my father's business. I'm not going to put the nativity away at Christmas and pack it up with all the Christmas decorations and then kind of launch into a new year finding out what I'm, I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, God, what would you have me do in 2021? I want to be on mission, as our pastor always says, for you, Father. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe 
You look back in the past and you've had those goals and you look back and you see goals that you've completed and things that you've, been, that you've finished and plans that you've made, but yet year after year as the goals get completed, as the plans get finalized, there's never a satisfaction. There's always an emptiness inside your heart. If that's you, I want to encourage you this morning. You know, God created you for a purpose and for a reason. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And when he talks about the abundant life, he's not talking about a physical life living longer or health. What he's talking about is the internal peace and satisfaction that comes when we know that we're fulfilling the reason for which we're created. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've gone year after year and you've gone through goals and gone through plans, but yet you never feel satisfied. You're always left empty. May I invite you this morning, there is a God that created you for a purpose. And Jesus is following his father's business here was to take him to a cross, to die on the cross, to pay for our sin. And by receiving him into your heart and life, you can, you can begin to live on mission with a satisfied peaceful purpose in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that following your own plans and accomplishments and goals will never bring the satisfaction you desire. Maybe you're here this morning and you're looking ahead to 2021 and all your goals are laid out and maybe it's time to just write, you know what, this year I'm not going to leave Jesus behind. I'm going to make sure that I'm with him on a daily basis, committed to him, following to him, and just like he said, making sure that I'm going about my father's business. Father, we love you this morning. We're grateful for your goodness and your love for us. And Father, as we finish the year out now, 2020, finally done, and we look forward to 2021 with a great hope, dreams, and goals. Father, help us today as we go home and as we begin to look over our plans to maybe just right at the top of our planner. This year, I want to be about the Father's business. Maybe if we're here this morning, we don't know Christ. I pray this morning we would stop and quit trying to pursue our own plans and our own goals. And just simply place our life in your hands and allow you to be Savior and Lord of our life. In your name, amen. Piano is going to play for a few moments, and as is our custom here, there'll be some pastors right down here at the front. And if you would like to come down and pray with one of them or spend some time just praying about the year ahead, we invite you to do so. Let's all stand to our feet this morning.